Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you? I'm very well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing all right. <sighs> oh, look at that. You got a tweet out about this. I'll retweet it. Retweet to followers. <laughs> <laughs> I've retweeted. I've told people that we're recording a program. Good. Ah, oh, December 12th. How does it happen? Yeah, really? Jiminy Christmas. Uh, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm pretty good. What's, uh, what's it like up there? It's nice. It's very pleasant. Uh, let me see what the watch says. It's 59 degrees, which is uh, perfect. That's my kind of weather. I got, uh, I got three, three layers. Feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. Do you wear a hat? I can't wear a hat when I got my cans on. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. then you get ble- what they call bleed. <laughs> yes. I would wear a hat all the time because, believe it or not, I'm overdue for a haircut again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was thinking. I was thinking about that. How much difference it makes when you wear a hat? You know, bleed is an issue. You got to really get those cans on tight and not be too loud. Oh, I, I was talking about for the for the warmth. Like oh, if I, if yeah. I'm feeling a little bit cold, you put a hat on. All of a sudden, you're you're warm without a jacket. You don't even need the jacket. Yeah. Well, they say that's how you lose a lot of your uh, your body heat. But you know, what do I know? Um, do I sound okay? Sound great. What did you do? You're sure. Yeah. Oh, nothing. I just changed a few things around. I'm positive. Um, Dan, uh, we have some important follow-up, and I've been waiting with bated breath, with li- literal bait on my breath to <laughs> yes. hear about this. You texted me about this. I said, Dan, <laughs> save it for the show. Right. Because our hundreds of thousands of listeners are going to want to know. I, I, I received information from you <laughs> that you figured out what was going on with your Apple TV not wanting to play this season of Mr. Robot. Well, any any season, I couldn't get into Mr. Robot at all. So, mm. <laughs> so it was even worse than that. But I don't know if I figured out what was going on, but I figured out how to make it work. Okay. That's all that matters. Uh, that's all that counts. And, uh, and so I had a lot of people contacting me, like I mentioned, but it seems like there's one or two shows, but Mr. Robot was the culprit across the board, and I couldn't figure out why, and we talked about this, and I couldn't, so the long story short, I was unable to get any Mr. Robots to play on my Apple TV. They would play fine on my iOS devices. I could stream from the iOS device to the Apple TV and watch them, but the Apple TV itself couldn't get it to work and other people had suggested oh well you need to go in through the tv app and if you mm-hmm. go in through the tv app it will work but no that if there's anything on that device that everybody knows is rock solid <laughs> that's going to be the app. Apple TV, the, the tv app on apple tv app <laughs> it's called tv you yeah. use that to watch your tv <laughs> even the tv you're watching maybe movies uh, dad where's the movies it's over in tv what's right. tv tv is app well, I had disabled the TV app from controlling everything a long time ago. So that um, I was, I haven't really looked at it very much, but I went into it and tried to get in that way. Still didn't work. And a, a number of people had suggested something that I just thought was, you know, like it seemed too dumb and I didn't want it to work. And I was kind oh, of, I know a, that feeling. I was I like, that if this works, I'm going to be angry because this shouldn't work. This is the last thing that should work to fix this problem. But the don't don't, don't slow down, slow down. I got to savor this. Okay. <laughs> so give me give me uh, give me a hint. Does it have to do? It has to do with. Does it have to do with the Apple TV device per se? No. Does it have to do with your account? No. 
Okay. Does <laughs> and, it have and to I, do I, with I, a cable? For no, for people <sighs> who are joining us, uh, it all of the other content that I have on the Apple TV, iTunes purchases, other and otherwise, a Netflix, you name it. But even other TV shows that I bought at the same time as Mr. Robot, those would play fine. And Mr. Robot would play fine on my other Apple TVs. It was just this one. Mm. So. Oh, God. Do you want to? This is going to be disappointing. It's, it? Yes, you're going to be. Ugh. You're not going to like this. I wanted it to be the name of the episodes. No. I, I mean, so maybe bad. it is. It maybe is. But here, so here's the thing. Some people suggest this on Twitter. And I was finally at the end, at, at the end of my rope at wit's uh-huh. end. Yeah, and yeah. I said, these Twitter followers that I have, they don't know, they don't know anything. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do Fine. what they say to do anyway. I'll do it to prove you wrong. You're right. Just so that I can write back to these guys and be like, see, you didn't know what you were talking about, Twitter people. Dummies. Dummy Twitters. <laughs> so what they said to do was to speak into the Siri remote and say, season three of Mr. Robot. And it worked. And then I was able to play all the episodes that I wanted in season three. Okay, but were you then able to click like a normal person no. if you did that? No. Okay, the, the mystery is not solved. Well, <laughs> but I can play I mean, you Mr. Gotta, Robot call again. Workaround. <laughs> you got to reach around for this, but we don't know what the problem is. <laughs> reach around. No, we don't know what the problem is, but I, I can at least... it could be the episode name. It still could be. It still could be. I'm, I'm, I'm warming up to that, the theory. Mm-hmm. But, but why does it play when I tell it, when I tell the Siri remote, show me season three of Mr. Robot, okay, that well, works. Back this up. Boop, boop, boop. Do you remember <laughs> when I had a possible solution that I not only couldn't articulate very well, but didn't make very much sense? Do you remember? <laughs> I, and I said, uh, 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 maybe it has something to do with the clicky interface. Maybe yeah. there's something confused with. Yeah. And, and I said, it reminded me of when you go to a web page, like when you got a web page with a slow connection. I know this sounds oh, right, bananas. right, right. When you've got a web page with a slow connection, and especially if it's like got SSL and it's pulling lots of stuff in, and it's got, you know, you, if, you were, if you were to go in and click on web developer, you'd see it's pulling from a million different JavaScripts and whatnot. And the web page seems to come up just fine, but you can't interact with it. It yeah. won't let you click on things. You can't click in fields. There, you know, so in my, my reckon is, well, this is what, what you, so then you reload and it works fine. Like, why did that help? Well, something was, it was a blockage. Something something wasn't fully loading. Right. I'm gonna guess it was some kind of either CSS or JavaScript. It was not fully loading, and therefore the web page was, was just sitting there tapping its watch, going like, "Where's the rest of my stuff?" And I was wondering idly and not articulating it very well at all. I articulated it very poorly and didn't really understand what I was trying to say. All I was trying to say was maybe there's something about for whatever reason you got a you got a blockage. You got a blockage on Mr. Robot from a GUI standpoint. Well, you were. It seems like you were completely correct. But so why, it, but why, why on one Apple TV? I don't know. Are you on the beta channel? No. Try the beta channel and see if that fixes it. The betas are pretty solid. I don't know if there even is a beta right now because we just got a you know a dot update. But you know you go into system. I think I don't have it in front of me, obviously. Um, but you, you go to go system, to you click the thing and do you it. Go, and click the thing, you go to like system update or whatever, right. where you could, I think it's where you click in their increasingly not very modern interface. You go in to say, I want to see if there's an update. It says, no, your update is fine. There's a dingus there somewhere you can uh, mash on to say, put me on the beta. 
track. And then it restarts and then you get betas after that. I don't know. It probably won't work, but I just they, they got a blockage of some kind. I just think it's really dumb that that. I'm glad you found a reach around for it, but I still would like to figure out what it is that is actually not working. I would too. Have you talked? Mm, I know this is an extreme thing. <laughs> There's no point. Have you contacted Apple about this? No. Yeah, I wouldn't either. No well, and the the main reason I haven't done that is because when I need to be at home in order to have the the Apple TV in front of me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the only and, times... And you, you get home and you're just overwhelmed. There's people screaming. There's peanut butter yeah. on the walls. It's yeah, crazy. and I don't... Yeah, toothpaste and the electrical outlets. I'm not kidding. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't feel like at that time, at the end of the, you know, six o'clock at night, now I'm going to, like, get on the phone with Apple. I'm just not feeling like that. Yeah. And I honestly think we have a more direct chain to Apple support on this show by doing the show right now than I would if I called them on the phone. I feel like the best Apple geniuses are listening right now. We've been contacted, I feel like at least once or twice by people who claim to work for Apple and listen to the program. I'm pretty sure that, that someone has who works at Apple at some point has listened to this show. Yeah. (sighs) It's frustrating. I, uh, what about the guy? What about the guy you like? The one that's, um, the George Lucas guy. Yeah. T what's his name? Someone with a T. I think you're thinking of Todd. TV Maybe he, does he? Yeah, does he know? He knows everybody. He knows Yoda. I'm gonna get. In, I'll get in no, touch no, with Todd. No Yoda, he does. Yeah. Let me get in touch with Todd. Okay, so get in touch with Todd. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I never feel good after I did this, but sometimes I just can't stop myself. Ah, I was waiting for a costly device to be delivered by Federal Express. And I knew I had to sign for it because it's a costly device. And I was like, mm, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to leave my house to pick up my daughter. And in that 42 minutes, you know that's when delivery will be attempted. Guess what? I was out. Oh, was God. Attempted. Come on. I know. That's fine. Bad on me. Okay, fine. Fine, 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 fine. So I uh, see they don't – Just, just to be clear here. Remember back in the day? Do you remember uh, uh, Remember when they used to leave a note on your door? And they say, hey, we tried to deliver something, but you weren't here, and here's what we're going to do. No note. That's okay, because I know how to go in and take my tracking number and go look, look it up. I don't know if everybody knows how to do that, but I did that, and it said, we're going to try again. So there's no – so get, get this. So I come back. If I hadn't gone online and checked – this is I'll keep this relatively short, but this is, this is going somewhere related to what you're suffering from. Yeah. But like, you know, if I came back and hadn't thought to go look on my computer and go look it up, I would know the delivery had been attempted. Right. I would not know that in this case, delivery will be attempted again tomorrow. Right. And in this time, I'm like, <laughs> you're not going to get me this time. You're not going to get me. So I waited at home all day. Oh, really not all day, but basically after we recorded, it was a Tuesday. I, I know specifically because I, I, I shot home and uh, at one point, yes, I did have to do pickup, but delivery had still not been reattempted. Everything is, everything is copacetic. Now the girls are going to go out. The girls are going out. They're going to get Christmas decorations. I'm going somewhere with this. I need to leave the house by 6.20 p.m. Pacific time because I've got to record with Stinky John Syracuse 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. I'm waiting there. I'm looking at the door. I'm on the porch with my goddamn shotgun. Where's the Federal <laughs> Express? Right? right? I'm there. I'm watching. <laughs> that too right. I'm doing that thing where I'm pointing at my eyes and pointing at you. I'm watching for you, green hair boy. Where's my delivery? I must sign for delivery. I leave, the girls come back. I say, uh, I love you, I have to go. 
And uh, actually, I think I talk about this on an upcoming episode of Reconcilable Differences. But I left at mm, somewhere between 6.10 and 6.15. I know this because I know how long it takes me to get the office. I know that I would be frantic if I had left at something like 6.20 because I got to get set up, make sure everything works. You're following me, right? Yeah. So we hand off. The girls are home. I say, girls, because that's why I call them. I say, girls, keep an eye out for Green Hair Boy because he has to come. He's going to deliver my costly device. He might need to sign for it. Super excited. Second delivery attempt is coming, right? Right. Guess what? Why? I get to my office. I open my computer machine. Guess what it says? 6.14 p.m. Delivery attempted. No, how does that – that doesn't make any sense. It seems to not so much make any of the sense from Federal Express. Yeah. No note, no nothing. Uh, uh, uh. Second delivery attempted. Bad on you, costly device boy. Oh, don't worry. We'll try again tomorrow. And I said, F this. And after I was done talking to Stinky John Syracuse, I came home and I went into the Federal Express page and I said, Federal Express, do that thing where you go drop it off somewhere because I need this costly device. I'm getting kind of scared this thing's getting beat up. I'm seeing lots of notices. It's out for delivery. Uh-uh-uh. Delivery attempted. Going to another place. It's back to South San Francisco. Label replaced. They had to replace the label on it Ooh, at one that's point. That's not that. See, right that's there. That's a bad yeah. – this is a costly device. It literally is covered with tape that says Fragile. Okay? <laughs> and I said, fine. Drop it off at the Walgreens on Dingle and Dingle. I will go and I will pick it up on Wednesday and we will put an end to this. This is, I'm sorry, I'm venting, but this makes me so goddamn angry. And, uh, and so then I see, uh, dun, 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 uh, it's out for delivery, leaving South San Francisco, out for delivery, we're going to drop, we got your request, everything's copacetic, we're going to drop it off your spot. It says out for delivery, uh, it'll be delivered on Thursday. And I say, uh, okay, if it's out for delivery, how will it be delivered tomorrow? And like, I, I'm sorry, I don't know why, this is, this is kind of going somewhere. I was reaching the end of my rope. And so yeah. I called the Federal Express and I spoke to a man who was just real super confident that everything was going great. And I said, look, uh, you know, uh, first of all, there was no delivery attempted yesterday. Me. My costly device was not a uh, delivery attempted. Right. And like you says, were there. Uh, you know, you know. Yes. There was a person at the house and for the second day in a row, there's no notice. I'm thinking it's probably green haired guy because that guy's no good as we know. Um, and, and, uh, we were having some language issues. He was having trouble with my language and I was having trouble with whatever he was speaking. We were having some issues, but I was trying to be very firm and say, look, you know, I don't want to be a dick about this, but you know, uh, that delivery was never attempted. And also how even is it out for delivery? And he says, oh no, no, it'll be dropped off at that spot and it'll be available for pickup tomorrow. And I said, okay, I'm real stupid. I went to a state school in Florida. How is it that you're dropping something off at the Walgreens, but now it's going to be deliverable tomorrow? He says, well, the package is being dropped off at the Walgreens per your request and it'll be uh, available tomorrow. And I said, okay. I said, I said, thank you very much for your help. And wait, wait, is this tomorrow, 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 or was it, has this already happened? This is this was so so it was supposed to be delivered on Monday. Okay, so you did you go and get it? I couldn't because it wasn't going to be there on Thursday. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, they've replaced the label. Something's going wrong. Maybe they lost this thing. I know to a near certainty, unless something went horribly wrong in the space time continuum, people were home for the quote unquote second attempt. And by the way, since when do they not leave you a notice that says a signature is required? Please be here tomorrow to sign for it. In the history of the Federal Express program, this is something that they do. And I did something I don't like doing, which what? is that I went on Twitter and I was snarky about it. Oh, boy. 
I was snarky about it. And I, and I feel I, like you're entitled after this. You've no, been running around no, the barn 20 times. Because I got a blue check mark that I never requested, and that makes me a dick because I'm going and throwing it my way. I don't take my blue check mark away. I don't care. I don't understand why it's a big deal to everybody. I, I don't want to be thrown in this pile of the privileged people. But, like, yeah, you know, then I felt bad because, like, now I said, oh, Federal Express, they're really good at knowing exactly where your thing was supposed to have been. And then uh, a lady jumps on. And she said, she's saying, oh, well, send me your information. I'm from Federal Express. Send me your information and we'll get right on this. And you know what? Uh, she did. She wrote this extremely long apology in a DM that went more than one screen. She complimented me on how funny my sarcasm was. I didn't really need that, but thank you. And then, uh, and then it was available to pick up right that moment. How is that? It was that? at Walgreens. How long had it been there? Well, I don't know because it's not available till tomorrow, right? But yeah, it turns out it was there and it is available. It had already been delivered to the Walgreens. That had not been updated in the oh dingus. It was available. for So, okay, this is not catastrophic and it turned out mostly okay, but there's a couple things to learn here. Well, first of all, you know, uh, yeah, you can shame me for having this piece of audio equipment that I needed to get for my, my work thing. Like, oh, uh, you know, boo Merlin, you're yelling at all these people. But like, that's why you pay the big bucks for Federal Express. Right. And the part that drove me crazy, I feel bad for doing that thing on Twitter. I do that very, very rarely because I don't think it's a classy thing to do. But the truth is, when I did do that, people responded. And that's gross. It's gross. I'm glad I got my thing fixed. I'm glad that my that there were at least two different things, probably three different things, they ate the booger on. It was nice of them to admit it and fix the problem. Yeah. But like if I hadn't done that, who knows? I mean, it just that just drives me crazy. And I feel that when I call Apple. I don't feel that so much when I call AT&T. I don't love the AT&T service, but their support people are really good. Do you ever, do you ever call AT&T? Uh, I have, and I had the same experience you had for a long time. I think they were notoriously... The worst. I thought that they they, all they would just want to sell up, sell you, sell you on stuff. Last two years, three years, my experience with when I have to call AT and T about something, they are great. Yeah, do you get that? Yeah, they got smart. I guess they they worked on the problem and fixed it. But I mean, this goes to other things. This goes to the time that my wife's, you know, uh, ride sharing uh, account was compromised and she couldn't get anybody on the phone to talk about it. It's Mm. like I don't know. I'm doing that thing now where I complain about customer service, but like. You know, I guess the one way, one reason we end up paying less for things is that there's less support provided. But like I, but in your case, like you've got, you bought something via Apple to play on your Apple device, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing everything right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you did too but, with your FedEx. But don't you feel, oh, well, I went and picked it up. I went over there and picked it up. It was immediately available. I brought it home, set it up. So, uh, but in your case, the stack of your your connections all go through Apple. It's an Apple device. Yeah. With a thing that you bought from Apple. But don't you feel some resistance to calling them? No, I don't want to call them at all. And I, be, I, know, I feel and, the same and way. And the reason why the reason why I don't want to call them and this is this may be my I don't know what the right word is for it. I don't believe that they'll be able to help me. I don't believe that anybody at at the level of support that I would be able to talk to would be capable of helping because I really feel like I've tried everything. I've done everything that's possible to do short of doing a wipe of the, of the Apple TV, which is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, and I actually believe that even if I did that, it would have the same problem. Well, That's yes. how pessimistic I am as well. So I think it's my pessimism combined with prior experience and the fact that I really feel like I've tried everything 
that makes me not want to even call. To me, there's, it's, it's always two things with me. There's like two things to that resistance. Part, part one is like, I, I got a feeling they're, they're not going to be able to help me. I have a feeling that something is happening that they maybe can't help me with. That maybe there's a ghost in the machine mm-hmm. title that I <laughs> is just going to have to hopefully go away in time. It happens. It happens to me with Skype. Remember when my Skype wouldn't connect and then it would connect? Yes. And we don't know why? Yes. There's a ghost in the machine. And then it got better and we don't know why. So on the one hand, it's the sense of like, oh, I know this is a weird problem. It's not a simple thing to just have somebody click a button or tell me to go reset a thing. It's not going to be that simple. But the second part of the resistance is that if you if you felt like it was worth the while, you would go through it. If you had to get a thousand dollars error taken off a bill, you'd call and stand over it until it got fixed. That's a fixable thing. But in that case, it's not only that it won't get done, probably, but that it's not without a cost, like a psychic cost of like I know what's going to happen. If you're like me, this gets into like a nominal mini topic that I have, but it gets into this thing of like, ugh, I know what's going to happen. I can already feel the script playing in my head, and I can already feel myself becoming a bad person and impatient as I explain to them things that I've done and then and then they say have you tried logging out and logging back in right and they say have you tried restarting it and you say yeah have you done all those things and I understand why they do that but like it's that to me that resistance comes from I'm going to have this weird conversation it's going to take at least one and probably two to three phone calls maybe I'll miss the phone call now there's a thing and now we're talking about this they're going through the tabs I think that's part of what it is is where you're like you end up there are so many people – you've seen people in your family who are suffering with these, these broken computers and weird home security systems and strange cable TV setups and they don't know how to set the output on their, on their uh, stereo to play the TV. And they do – you ever seen this? Like all these wackadoo things that your family just lives with because yeah. like, I just – I don't even know how to get this fixed. I don't even know. Right, and it's not even worth it to try. So I guess what I'm saying is I wish Apple would uh, – I don't know if they have to change anything. I wish they could just reboot my brain so that I had a better feeling about – whether I'd even want to call them. And with FedEx, I don't know, man. It just bums me out because like Federal Express, as I call it, FedEx used to be kind of the gold standard in this stuff where like if you needed something done, you would just – you'd pay 20 bucks and FedEx would do it and it just always worked. Right. It seemed like everything else was a little bit of a compromise compared to FedEx. Well, I'll go with UPS because it's like a little cheaper than yeah. FedEx is. It's not as good maybe and I won't – but now I don't know if FedEx is – is the same as it used to be uh, as far as reliability anymore. I don't know what is though. And, you know, my brother-in-law works at FedEx, uh, FedEx ground. And he was just telling me uh, the last time I saw him how, you know, especially around the holidays, Christmas time, they are just completely slammed the whole time working 12 to 16 hour days, hiring additional people, renting uh, trucks, or cars yeah, yeah. to to just throw the stuff into to try and get everything delivered, you know, like it's, uh, and I don't think that I don't know how it works exactly, but I I don't think that they're compensated additionally, like per package. I think they're still expected to do their route, whatever it is, and I mean, yeah, it's, you just do it till it's. I know it's that way. Till it's done, you right? Just do it till it's empty. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been feeling this with our um, USPS mail where. Uh, the deliveries have been getting later and later and later until it's after nightfall and the poor person, it's like seven thirty, eight, eight thirty. The person's got a headlamp on. And I'm always <laughs> like, you know, I always like to engage the postal person. I'll say, oh man, thanks for being here. I know this is a late night for you. Uh, it must be really crazy right now. And they're like, yeah, yeah. They got people just working 24 seven right now. Wow. And I don't think they're like heavily resourced as resourced things go. No, I don't think so either. You know, but I, I, for the first time in ages, I basically have stopped using USPS 
for any kind of important package uh, because they <laughs> simply they either don't deliver it at all or they say it's delivered when it's not or oh, yeah. all these problems that I had the last time we talked about this and it's incredibly frustrating because like the one they get, they get thi- nothing for you I mean when you yeah. call them up they're like uh, yeah it says here that we tried right yeah and it's super you know super frustrating and they don't they don't seem to be able to do anything about it it's not getting better it's getting worse and so I've just completely abandoned using the, you know for a letter it's fine but still my my mom will send my kids, you know, holiday cards and things like that, uh, Halloween cards, whatever. And this just happened in Halloween or Thanksgiving. She sent a, one card for my girl, one card for my boy, uh, put them in the mailbox at the same time. They went out at the same day. Um, my uh, w- one <laughs> shows up. The other one doesn't show up. It never that's shows so up. Bizarre. Never shows up. Is that double galling? It's. Uh... Oh, it's it's so I'm I don't know. And I mean, one of my one of my friends, she sent a card to like her sister, her aunt, and her mom, all of whom live in different parts of Texas. She mailed them. Her mom never got it. Why? Like why? Never right, never no, showed no, it. It's not it, like it comes a week later. It's never there. It's just lost. Oh, I got I got one more FedEx story for you. Um, a friend uh, works for a really, really good coffee company. He works for Four Barrel co- Coffee. And he's like, he just DMs me. Uh, a guy I know through John, through Roderick. And he's a super nice guy and he DMs me. He's like, hey, um, I work for Four Barrel. You want me to send you a bunch of coffee? I was like, yes. Thank you. Send me all of the coffee. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic. He's like, great. It'll be there in a couple of days. So just coming out of Oakland. and uh, <laughs> right, which, is, which is like – 30 like minutes that, like that's you? meaningful right. yeah, yeah yeah but like that's meaningful you can be sending it from next door and it's got to go to reno sparks so but anyway but like I, this this one really bugged me like it's this is up there with green guy who would green haired guy who would throw my blue apron on the porch um but i feel really bad i haven't even told him this because i feel so bad about this but like he sent me all this really nice coffee and uh and i get i i got a tracking number for it and then I, I go look on my computer machine and it says, hey, boom, your coffee got delivered this afternoon. And this is yet another one of those days when I was home the whole time. And oh, this is so, I'm sorry, this is, no, nobody likes hearing this stuff. But I was like, hmm, okay, this is kind of weird. And so I did the thing that you always do. You go and you walk around outside, you check next door, you know, and then you say like, oh, you know, you think like, oh, mate, what if they send it to the, this numbered street instead of this numbered avenue, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of thing happens all the time. But, you know, I, I called them up and I was – I mean this, this wasn't like a costly uh, electronic device. This is something where I'm sorry this stuff hadn't arrived, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. I was like, oh, you know, this kind of thing happens. That's cool. That's cool. And they're like, all right, all right. Well, it says here that it was delivered. I said, yep, 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 yep. That's why I'm calling you because I've been here and it's not delivered. And they said, OK, all right. Um, well, we'll look into this. And I didn't hear back from them, so I called them back. And they escalated to, to somebody. They sent me to like second level asshole support. So I got on with this guy, and this guy's like, "Yeah, um, so uh, you were definitely home when uh, when this was delivered." I said, "Well, I was home, but it was not delivered." He goes, "All right, I'm looking at your house on Google Maps. Do you still have a shrubbery in this area over here?" And I was like, "Whoa, slow your roll." <laughs> I was like, you're looking at it. That's so creepy. And he's so he's going through and he's being all Sherlock Holmes about trying to figure out all the places I haven't looked for my coffee. Oh, so that he's got telling to you a bush. He's telling he's telling you go look behind the bush. I was like, well, well, I would refer the gentleman to the notice I received electronically that says it was left on my front porch, which is not a bush. And so they launched an investigation, and I never heard from him. 
Did you ever get the coffee? Is it behind no, the bush? No, I never got. I never got caught the coffee. I never got an explanation, and I haven't told my friend because I feel like kind of a jerk about it. Well, he's gonna know now. <sighs> and it was a gift. It was a gift. Um. All right. I'm sorry about. It. Can we cut all of that out? Yeah, I'll add it. I mean, this whole show will never air. Okay. All right. Would you uh, be good enough to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about Eero. 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 Yeah. Eero, I'm such a fan of Eero. Eero I, nerd out, I nerd out so hard on Eero. You have no idea how hard I nerd well, ta- out. Prove it. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I got a new cool app that stitches together screenshots. So I will do you up. No, I'm not going to do this. It's too creepy. I go into Eero. I use my Eero well, app. Creepy for you or creepy people. for us? Well, it'll be creepy. I'd be showing you on my devices. Okay. You know what I mean? Well. But Eero, Eero <laughs> provides... Eero solves a number of problems, some of which I knew I had and many of which I didn't know I had. The number one thing that Eero does – tell people what an Eero is and I'll tell them why it's great. All right. Eero is the future of Wi-Fi uh, designed, I think, for the home. They have come out with a second generation of this product and it's even better than the first generation. But their philosophy is the way that we've been doing Wi-Fi all along is wrong. And the way that we've been doing it is we have one base station that kind of sits in one room and then we have lots of dead spaces in our house, around our house. And uh, that creates a very frustrating scenario like the one I had with my son where upstairs in his room, he was only getting uh, 40 down, but everywhere else in the house downstairs, we're getting 300 down. And that seemed unreasonable. And the way that they uh, resolve this is there is still a base station in a sense because there's a, a part of the system that plugs into your cable modem or your um, your uh, you know fractional T1 line or your DSL line or whatever internet you have coming in, fiber plugs into that. And then you have these little beacons and the beacons, the app will help you determine where in your house you should place a beacon, uh, but they're not range extenders. It actually is a, is a, uh, what, what's called a mesh and it creates this mesh uh, over your whole house that gives you those fast speeds throughout the entire house. And it really, really works. They call it true mesh technology and it works beautifully. And those they, they got smart and they said, you know what? These little beacons could be other things too. So they built a little nightlight into the beacon so that you can turn the nightlight on and off or you can have it uh, be uh, come on at night when it gets dark. I mean, like they, they really did this right. And these little beacons are just the little things that plug right into your outlet. So there's no wires, there's no cables, nothing like that. But they, uh, they make it so that you have super fast Wi-Fi throughout your entire house. And these things look uh, really, really nice. They're... They have a, I guess, an Apple-esque aesthetic to them, and the packaging mm-hmm. is really nice, and they look they're, really they're nice. They're unobtrusive, yeah. and they're very, they're very attractive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the and they, they're smart. They're, they're very, very smart. I mean, you know, just, just so you know, I mean, you, you can do stuff like this with Apple products where you can kind of take some pokery jiggery, but you can like hook stuff together to do this. But what, what you end up with after. I'm going to say it would be hard to do this in fewer than 10 minutes, but I would be surprised if it took you more to get it set up and running. I would be surprised if it took you more than half an hour. It took me about 15 minutes to get it to where it was working throughout the house with, with a, the main unit and two beacons. It's pretty darn fast. And then there's lots of tweaking you can do if you're a nerd like me, and I've done a lot of tweaking with it. But what it means is I can be on the very far side of the house from where the Ethernet actually lives Walking through the house, I do not get dropouts. I do not get weird holes. You don't get parts of the house where just you're in like some kind of like Amityville horror room and it just goes away. It works throughout the house, and it's monitoring your bandwidth. The, the recent versions, uh, recent versions of the app have added a couple really nice things. 
Uh, it does an automated speed, automated speed test of your connection uh, every day. You can also do a manual speed test and say, okay, everything's still working great with my provider. Great addition they've added mm, last week or two. Every device – you can see every device on your network. It shows you like here's an iPhone. Like here's your PlayStation. Here's all these things. And it shows you with a teeny little icon. It shows you what the download and upload speed of that device is right that second. So if you're wondering if there's something that's being a power or a bandwidth vampire somewhere, it'll show you on that. Right. And it just works a treat. I, I really – I've been very, very happy with this product and I do recommend it. Well, I agree. I have it too. I love it. It solved all the problems that I was having in my house and uh, – this new gen, the, the second generation, they have it has three five gigahertz radios. So for the nerds like me out there who know what this kind of thing means, it means it's just really, really, really fast. They've been doing a lot behind the scenes. It sits flat. It plugs in with the power adapter. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's like Merlin said, it's unobtrusive. It's great, and uh, and this is the future. This is the future. So what they're giving our listeners is you can, you can buy an Eero on Amazon. You can buy it all over the place. But if you buy it on Eero.com, you will get free overnight shipping to the U.S. and Canada. That's new. Uh, and that's Eero, E-E-R-O, Eero.com. When you're checking out, select overnight shipping and then enter the code back to work and it will make the overnight shipping free. So That's crazy. Back to work, one word. One word. I'm so we, we appreciate the support of Eero, and uh, I think you guys are really going to like this. I think it would make a great – you know what you could do? If, you, if you've got your spouse and maybe two kids, you put, uh, you put the, the Eero base in your uh, spouse's little stocking, and uh-huh. then you put a beacon <gasps> in each one of the kids' stockings. Merry Christmas. Just saying. You're going to have to run there. You have to run with this. You're the, you know, Christmas person, but Mm. Eero.com. Thanks very much to Eero for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Mann. Mm, Damn, Benjamin. I'm on the page right now. So your cart, I've been wanting to get another beacon and they have Apple Pay, which is nice. That's convenient, isn't it? Now look at this. Where do I put in a little code? Oh, I see shipping method, Apple Pay. Look at this. This is magic. Okay, I'm not going to do this right now, though. Close, close the window. Close the window. I'm going to come back. Bah. Bah. Ugh. I'm glad you're cutting all that out. That was no good. Yeah, we don't need any of that. Check your privilege, sir. Uh, uh, two things I wanted to mention, uh, recommend, and in one case, re-recommend. Um, you mentioned Mr. Robot. Yes. Well, you know, there's some kinds of there's some podcasts that you listen to where like it's an obviously like an, it's an immediate it's gonna be a huge breakaway hit that you're listening to all the time. There's a there's a show that I've really gotten into, and I almost want to say it's a little bit of a slow burn. It's a very good podcast, but it wasn't until I listened to it for a long time that I realized how much I like it, and I really do like it. Um, it's from I think it's that Bill Simmons network. What's the name of that? The Ringer. Is that what it's called? Ah, uh, yeah. This is after he. Left, left the ESPN thing and then the other thing, Grantland. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't listen to any other shows, any of the other great shows, but I listen to a really good TV podcast that I like a lot uh, called The Watch. Mm. And I like it a lot. It's these two guys whose names I will look up right now, Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, who I guess write for The Ringer. One of the guys also has a Game of Thrones podcast. Anyway, it's just a really it's a really good weekly podcast that I just enjoy on the merits, but I, I especially, I put it in notes, I think you'd especially enjoy this week. 
um, because it's the end of the year. Time to do top ten lists. And as it turns out, they're actually legit friends with Sam Ismail. Oh, excellent. The creator of Mr. Robot. And he's on for a very long, very, very enjoyable segment where all three of them give their top ten lists, their top ten TV shows. But it's it's very organic. It doesn't feel like, oh, here's our guest, the famous TV guy. Uh, It's a really enjoyable one. They end up talking about what? Game of Thrones, Mindhunter, Handmaid's Tale, Uh, some surprises, uh, Mrs. Maisel, which I can also – highly recommend um yeah it's in show notes uh best of tv 2017 with sam ismail uh podcast is called the watch and i recommend it the watch dan where would people find show notes for for the watch so episode diggity three five four of your back to work program where would they find that Uh, they can go to five by five dot tv slash b as in bank two is in the number w as in water Slash workforce. three workforce slash three five workforce. four three five four work men work persons. No, <laughs> I'm going to also. Why did I put Chapo Trap House in the notes? I don't know. I'm going to delete it though. Probably hit the dingus wrong. Um, I'm also going to re up this podcast I mentioned before. I just keep recommending this to people, this episode of the Ezra Klein podcast that I really, really enjoyed. I've listened to it three times now, um, and it's very, very good. I mentioned it before, but bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this, maybe. Uh, Ezra Klein show, a very good um, podcast with the guy who's, I guess, the editor at Fox. And he interviews lots of different interesting people. The episode of this program is What Buddhism Got Right About the Human Brain. And it's uh, an hour and 20 minutes long. But it's a uh, it's, – this is with this author named Robert Wright who writes about evolutionary psychology. And he's also a an inveterate meditator. He goes to – he's a great bad Buddhist though. He's got ADD. He finds meditation insufferable. But it's been a really interesting influence on his life. And he ends up talking in this wonderful interview. He talks about his new book which I keep forgetting the name of, even though I'm a third of the way into reading it. His book is called Why Buddhism is True. Uh, and I want to recommend that book too. Um, Have you read it? or uh, I'm about a third of the way in. Yeah. And, and it's, it's good? It's quite, yeah, it's really quite good because it's, it's not, as they mentioned here in the show notes for this Ezra Klein episode, um, you know, he's not so much trying to sell you on the idea of, uh, he in particular is Vipassana. Is that how you pronounce it? Vipassana? Vipassana. He's a Vipassana guy. That's how I've always heard it pronounced. And he's not trying to like sell you on it. And he's not he, – he's also not there to say, oh, you know, you need to relax so you do mindfulness. He does, I, I think you would really enjoy this. Okay. He really – he goes into a lot of very interesting discussion about like why – so his own experiences with doing some of these, you know, meditation silent retreats and stuff like that. But he approaches it from the standpoint of an evolutionary psychologist. The reason I think this this – would be appealing to you not simply because it's about mindfulness meditation, but also just about how it would appear evolutionary psychology seems to be showing us how ill-suited we are <laughs> for the for modern the world, right? Yes, for how and this is this is straight up your alley. Just that that notion that all the ways that we and it really it's it's, it's hilarious because you know this things that you say over and over and over that make me roll my eyes. He is saying here. He's saying first of all, we were never designed as such as it is we we did not evolve in such a way 
we were we evolved to be in a fairly small group of people that we saw a lot. Mm-hmm. We we evolved or people that you a small group of people that you would see and see often. Um, we evolved to have certain kinds of concerns about nutrition, like like you know finding you know f- lack of food could be an issue. Things like you know. Um, Bad weather and wild animals and all these kinds of things that still affect us but don't affect us in the same way. And he uses the example for for example of saying like, well, you know, on the one hand, if you're in an area where you know there are not only tons of rattlesnakes but lots of people have died from being bitten by rattlesnakes, it's not surprising at all that if you hear something rustling, you're going to start and go, ah, ah, ah. Rattlesnake. You know? Yeah. And, and like it's very natural to like just – immediately know that there is a rattlesnake there, even if it turned out to be the wind or whatever. He says, but from an evolutionary standpoint, even if you're wrong about that, 99 times out of 100, the one time there was a rattlesnake there, it actually does benefit you. And that does make sense. But if you take that into the work environment where you're an email from your boss or the idea of an email from your boss gives you heart palpitations, that's not suiting you well from a certain evolutionary standpoint. Right. And he basically just goes into these all these different ways in which oh and the other example, like how many times you know, everybody has their own hang ups about how they arrive at their own anxieties and weirdness, but I don't of all the things I suffer from, I don't have this one that much, but I know a lot of people who do. People have have you, the listener, ever been in a situation where you find yourself thinking about something you said today that you feel really dumb about? Do you find yourself thinking about something you said a month ago that you feel really dumb about? Do you ever find yourself thinking about something that happened in 1982 that you still feel really bad about yeah. and you kind of can't stop thinking about it? He says, well, you know, there was a time when you would see people all the time. You didn't really have the ability to wonder if Grok was mad at you because you saw Grok all the time. You'd see him at the campfire and whatnot. So anyway, I – I just really uh, – and I, I don't have any way to vet the science of what he's going through, but he does in the book in particular. He cites a lot of really fascinating stuff around you know stuff around the brain, hemispheres, how they communicate with each other, all these kinds of biases that we have. And he really nicely brings it back to this idea, this very basic Buddhist idea of like what is the self in myself? What am I apart from my emotions? Right. And if as the Buddha demonstrated and lots of science seems to demonstrate, you know – how is it that I could react so emotionally differently that my POV could change so much from situation to situation depending on how I feel and what I think is happening? And uh, I'm just finding it a very thought-provoking read. And if you're not up for reading a whole big Kindle book like Daddy is, uh, <laughs> go check out the Ezra Klein episode called What Buddhism Got Right About the Human Brain. Well, I love that. And you know that that is a sort of reference to the whole Buddhist concept of um, of not-self or in, in Pali, anatta. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know what's fascinating about that, and what's so it's so weird for people to think about it. But if you if you really think about what was said in a very simple way, what the, what the Buddha said was, and Buddhism as a whole kind of believes this, is the Buddha was unable after he became enlightened and studied, you know, studied himself and the way that the the mind works. He was unable to find anything within the human mind that in and of itself could, could be, could be considered the self, the, the, the you, the, the thing that makes you, you, or the thing that you are that in fact, and he used the term heaps, but he described 
the human mind as what we would, you know, using like a modern computer reference is where a whole bunch of processes that are all sort of happening at the same time. And the things that, you know, are, are your, let's say you really love coffee. Is that you? Is loving coffee you? No, it's an aspect of you. Let's say you, you know, you, um, you like to sleep late on the weekends. Is that you? Is that the sum total of, of who you are? No. And, and there is no one thing that is a self. There is no one thing that, that is this, you know, what, what we think of as like ourselves are actually, uh, a tremendously complicated, intertwined, series of thoughts, beliefs, feelings, emotions, and more things than we could explain in this podcast that all kind of heap together or go in different, in, in different interactions to create something that to us feels like a consistent thing. But in fact, it's undergoing great change at all times. And they're really, and that's, so that's the Buddhist concept of, of not self, that there isn't really there isn't really a you that is a, that is a, a solid, unchanging thing. That in fact we're just this this always changing, always in motion pro- set of processes. And the more that you read Buddhism texts, and I'm sure he goes into this in the book better than I am here. But it really is fascinating, and that's kind of a fun exercise to do. To like, is is there a thing that's really just you, or are you? a series of thoughts, emotions, experiences uh, mm-hmm. that, that are all kind of interplaying together in a fascinating way. Well, and, and to put it in a way that it's not, this is not meant to be a, a permanent salve because that's the point, but in some ways that's really encouraging Yeah, because if you start to feel like you said, uh, you know, not, not jokingly, but like it's a bit on here, like, are you, know, are you your thoughts? Right. Um, well, okay, here's the thing. If you start to feel that the things that you think are what makes you, you, it's actually kind of good news to find out that doesn't always have to be the case. And he talks in particular about how once he's gotten through, he goes to these retreats and it's just murder for the first day and a half. <laughs> yeah. And he can't concentrate and he can't sit still and his mind keeps getting interrupted. And at one point, I guess during one of these retreats, you have the opportunity to chat with somebody one of the instructors and they break the silence and he's like, look, I suck at this. I've got to go. Like, I've got to get out of here. I, I'm not doing this right. He goes, well, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, well, how do you, what makes you think you're not doing it right? He says, well, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to count my breaths and in a day and a half, I've never made it to 10. Or like when I do make it to counting to 10, I realize I'm already thinking about something else. And he said, and the instructor's like, well, you, so you feel like you're noticing that a lot? And he goes, yeah, I'm noticing it all the time. He says, well, you're making progress. <laughs> and he goes, oh, Wow, that's a really interesting way to think of it. If yeah, he's actually doing it perfectly. He's doing it perfect. Well, yeah, the, the, once you stop, once you step away from this idea of success being that you're like somebody in a chocolate ad who stacks stones and does yoga by the cliff at sunset, you go, no, this is complicated stuff. It's to be, when you say in the moment, it's not to be relaxed and zen out. It's to just have the ability to realize what it is that you're thinking and to be, not necessarily to compartmentalize it, but to realize how many of your feelings are feelings about feelings. And that, okay, so if you didn't have those feelings about your feelings, would you still be you? Well, maybe, maybe not. It's, it's a super interesting idea. And he goes into a little bit, and again, I'm not a scientist, but this is where things like the hemispheric stuff comes in, where, uh, uh, as they say anyway, sometimes a very radical solution for people with terrible um, seizures mm. is they like snip the part where basically the two hemispheres talk to each other. Oh, right. They separate them. 
Yeah, and you can continue to function mostly okay, except in some extreme examples. And I think CGP Grey actually has a really good video about this. I'll try to find. But basically that your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere are operating um, – are not communicating in nearly the way that you think and that the way that you process and then discuss a lot of information is kind of made up. Like you're able to say things like your, your brain tries to identify something on the left side but the right side's not playing along. Right. And then it comes up with a reason why it couldn't do it and you're not even aware that you're doing that. I'm, I'm putting this poorly, but when you get into that kind of stuff, there are some fascinative, fascinating cognitive and perceptual things that go on that just leads, lends some credence to this idea that, you know, and that, that it is a little bit like the Matrix. He uses this analogy a little bit heavily, but I think it's pretty effective, that it is, it's a little bit like the matrix in some ways, yeah. that we're so accustomed to thinking of our perceptions and then our feelings about that perception to be what the world is and who we are, that like once you take a slight step back to look at, well, is my perception right? And are these feelings me? What are these feelings? Am I aware of them? How many of them are feelings about feelings? How many of them are feelings about feelings about things I misperceived? And it shades into things like cognitive behavioral therapy, but I've gone on too long, but I... I've sent this to like three or four different people because it's it's been a really – it's a very stimulating idea to me and pushes me further in a direction of like wanting to re-explore this stuff again, which yeah. I'm kind of doing. Yeah. But um, the podcast is a great place to start and the, the guy is charming and Ezra Klein is charming and it's called What Buddhism Got Right About the Human Brain. Awesome. On Fox. Great one. That's a great mm-hmm. one. Podcast. Woo! I think we can all agree that regardless of your perceptions and feelings, we can all agree that the best bang for your buck, <laughs> if you're looking to get a product out there, true. is to have what we call an advertising spot on a small to medium-sized podcast. Dan, would you tell me about a second thing that you like? Oh, yeah. I would love to tell you about the RX bar. RX bars. Got them right here. I'll have one right now. Are you going to eat one now? Oh, God. Oh, God. Which one are you going to get? You know, the huge. Get me the chocolate sea salt. RX bar, 12 grams, protein bar, three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates, and no BS. That means bad stuff. Tell me about RX bars, Dan. Well, I think you just said it. I mean, these are whole food protein bars with straightforward, simple, real ingredients. No BS. Uh, They don't put additives into them. They don't put chemicals. They don't add any sugar. They're all automatically gluten-free. They're all lactose-free. They're soy-free. And uh, no artificial colors, no preservatives, nothing like that. They use the egg whites for the protein. They use the dates to bind it all together. They add nuts for texture. And then depending on which uh, variety you go with, maybe there's chocolate in there. Maybe there's uh, caramel in there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's whatever you're into, they've got a flavor for it. They have 11 different flavors and you can get a box that includes uh, all of those. So you can find out which one is your favorite. And then they sometimes do like a seasonal one. So they've got a bunch of seasonal ones that are going on right now. They're really, really, really good. And this is the thing for me. I have these after I go to the gym or in some cases before I go to the gym, if I don't have time for breakfast because the kids are running around, whatever, these things are amazing. And this is the thing, the egg white protein in these That is a protein that's really easy for your body to absorb. And yes, there are carbs in this too. And that's a good thing because you want to get some combination of the protein and the carbs with it so that you're good before your workout. If you're using it as like a meal replacement, breakfast on the go, this might be a good afternoon snack at the office so you don't wind up eating like a bag of Doritos or something. This is perfect for traveling. 
uh, you're going on a bike ride or a hike or something like that, or like I do after I work out, you want to replenish some of that. You need some protein. Some people will have a shake. Well, guess what? You get to mix up the shaking. You got to do the thing. And I, no, you have an RX bar now. It replaces that. It's it's really great, and the flavors are awesome. And they're giving our listeners 25% off their first order. You go to RX bar, the letter R, letter X, rxbar.com slash back to work. And the promo code to use is back to work, all one word, and you'll get 25% off your first order. And I, I recommend you go with that uh, variety box because they're all good. You're not going to find one you don't like, but you are going to find yeah, out which yeah. one is your favorite. And then you can go back and get more of that. That's your way in. That's It's a gateway. I like the uh, I like the chocolate sea salt that you recommended, but uh, you know, to each his own. You got to find out the one you like. They were having, and then, and then you know, and then deploy them. I would say deploy them. Deploy how? Like, don't. Well, I mean, if they're just sitting in like a box in your garage or in a pantry, they're not going to help you that much. You need you need one of these in your backpack, workout bag. I keep them on my desk. Have them in the places where you will be hungry, not in the places where it's convenient to store. Sure, sure, keep them stored away, but I would say replenish these. Put them in places to deploy into places where you will be hungry at times you're not expecting to be mm-hmm, hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have a gingerbread and a pumpkin spice. The gingerbread is new. I've never tried that one. Uh, the seasonal one is the pumpkin spice. I have tried it, and it is awesome. So if you're wow, in the really? holiday spirit time, uh, you could do that. But my my all-time favorite now, I think, is the apple cinnamon because it just reminds me of being a kid. I don't know why. It, just, it has it all. But uh, anyway, they've got a bestseller pack, so you can get like their top – Six flavors. There's 30 bars of those. You can get the one that's all mixed and matched. They got ones for kids with flavors the kids are going to like that have like a little, uh, little happy, uh, little, there's like apple cinnamon raisin. There's a berry blast. I mean, you name it. And if you're an adult, you cannot eat the berry blast. Do not eat that because it's only for kids. Mm. So rxbar.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Thanks, rxbar. Buck, buck. <laughs> we got some uh, follow-up this is good follow-up good okay. follow-up from listener drew uh you talked i believe in the last episode you received a crazy thing in the mail which was a, a large mail piece that you opened up <laughs> yeah and it had a video it was a video on a screen uh how do we describe what this thing was it was like a tiny little screen like a yeah. a, a mobile device size screen playing a video there was an ad for that ad that you're watching. Right. Kind of. Yes. It was an ad for like, hey, couldn't you find a great use for these things? And we got, um, you can go back and listen to it if, you don't, if you're confused. But basically, Dan got this really costly looking um, video player in this little, the size of like, what, like a DVD package thickness. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So listener Drew writes in to say an anecdote on those video player brochures and if they are effective. Because you and I were saying, well, that seems kind of silly. I'm not sure why you sent that to me. He says, at my job, we had a brief stint with a VP of marketing who was a sucker for for ridiculous swag and overpriced animated videos. How surprising. Naturally, they found their way towards the video brochure you were sent. They were very proud when they handed them out following meetings during a very large conference hosting big advertising business, business mucky mucks. Without fail, every exec said the same thing. I've never seen this before. Where can we make one of these? They were terrible at selling us, as expected, but amazing at selling themselves. We never bought them again. <laughs> And that way, I mean, that's exactly what we thought. Kind of, where you're like, not for me, but very interesting, but really not for me. But 
again, you know, it's you just need uh, you need the right like you know, they call it a whale, right? Get the right whale. Yeah, whale. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. You know, all mm. it takes is one whale. One whale. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Let's get together and feel all right. Yeah. One if love, you, one whale. If you get the if you get the whale, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't need any of the krill. You don't need anything. And we're the on the krill. Uh, the krill. Those, oh, did I uh, tell you that they? Call, I forgot to tell you that they called me. Yeah. Hmm. They their follow up was calling me. Oh no! On your telephone? Yeah, on my te- on my telephone, right oh, by my no, uh, hand. And were they just doing some follow up? Well, there was a, there was a woman, and she said, uh, "Hi, I'm." whoever from this company janet yeah and she said um i we sent out and i forget the term she used for it but she said we sent out this thing that you got Mm -hmm. and uh we sent it out last week and uh, i believe you received it and of course it was sent like fedex so they had tracking so they know it was received she said i believe and um i was wondering if we could set up some time for you to speak with our ceo and she said his name and she said how is 3 30 p.m on friday for you and I said, hmm. um, I said, I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that. Um, I said, I don't think it's applicable to me. I'm pretty much like, it's like a two person company and we're not hiring and we're not going to be hiring and it's not really applicable, but thank you very much, but please don't, don't call again. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah. And she, I said it nicely and she said, oh, okay, okay, well, thank you. But you could tell she was a little disappointed uh, by it she sounded a little sad and then we hung up but hmm. it makes sense to me though that that what she did was interesting on the one hand you would think if you're sending out something that costs somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 50 dollars that a follow-up call would make sense and she waited a you know a few days till after i got it to call and then what was interesting was with that you know when she was calling and saying hey uh did you you got this thing my ceo would love to talk to you and she immediately without even a pause immediately was suggesting a time a day and a time right and i thought that was really interesting because a little little presumptuous yes it was very presumptuous and at the same time it wasn't there was nothing, and I feel like this is an old sales technique that I've seen work before. And that is when you, mm-hmm. when you, and I'm sure you could, you'll know the name for this, but it's instead of saying, Oh, would you like to talk to our CEO? You skip right. past the part where you're asking, Would you like to talk to the CEO? And you've already moved on to the fact that you're going to talk to the CEO. Now we've just got to negotiate on times. Right, like the like the machine says, what would be a convenient time to stop by? Right, not whether he, whether you should stop. By. That's right. We're past. We're, it's it's Nyborg. It's a it's <laughs> it's a foregone conclusion that you want to talk to our CEO. Like, of course, you want to talk to the CEO. When though, that's what we've mm-hmm. got to figure out. When do you want to talk to the CEO? And I, I suppose some people are sort of caught up in that well no actually 330 won't work but i could do it at four yeah I could, okay i'll do it at four and now they're talking to the ceo at four can i ask you a question go ahead caller thank you uh first time uh video <laughs> did she ask you how you felt about it Mm-mm. no see I, f- I feel like that's a missed opportunity if i were doing that 
I would not miss the opportunity to say, oh, I understand it doesn't work out. It's not your thing. But just real quickly, um, how did you feel? Uh, what did you think of it? Did you, did you think, were you surprised to receive it? Did you think it was cool? Would you ever recommend it? Like, you know, because I, I, I'll bet you if she asked you that, you, you would tell her. I, I, I would have told her very nicely. I mean, I, I would like you could even told her your ambivalence about it, where you could go like, oh, it's a very interesting use of technology, but it seemed really random and yeah. kind of costly. And like, I don't know, it just seems to me like if I were her, maybe that's not her job, but like I would want to know what every single person thought about receiving that, how they felt about it. Because a huge, I bet a huge part of their marketing is going to be getting past the objection of, wow, that's really costly for something that's kind of cool. It would be interesting for people to know like – or you can even say like – you know what I mean? Like you could be a very valuable source of information about that as somebody who's not interested in their product. Yeah. But they called anyway. So I thought but, that I mean, was you interesting. You see what I'm saying, yeah, right? No, I, I mean, totally like, do. I mean – you just don't want to just be pissing in the ocean with this stuff. You can't send a ton of those out. I mean, you, you're just missing an opportunity for really, I'm just saying it's a no brainer that most people who don't hang up on you admi- admi- immediately yeah. would love to give their opinion of how they I would have loved it. it. I would have absolutely shared it with them and you know, who knows? Yeah. But that's not how it works. No. Hmm. Pretty weird. Yeah. Good follow up. Thank you to listener Drew. Um, you have two more sponsors, is that correct? Yes, sir. I have, uh, you can tell me which, how you want to proceed. I don't know if you have anything you want to bring to the table. I have two more, uh, things from listeners that I think are super good questions. Um, but I don't want to step on your business. Do you have anything else you want to bring to the convo? Well, there was one thing that was on my list Mm -hmm. for this week. And, and that is something that, um, we talked about in the past about cutting cords and, being free of cable. And one of the things that I think for me and a lot of other people that for those of us who have cut cable, maybe we miss a little bit and that is sporting events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky in that I live in, uh, in a part of the world where I get to watch the teams that I like in, which is specifically the NFC East teams because we're technically in the Dallas market here in Austin. So I get to see the Eagles play, which is my team. And uh, so I'm lucky in that, but there's a lot of people who want to cut cable and they can't, or they're unwilling to, or they have, and they're frustrated because the teams or the sports or the events that they want to watch, they can't watch. So Mm -hmm. of course you've had the MLB uh, subscription service for at least, I think four years now, maybe it's longer than that so that you could watch the MLB, but you couldn't do that with the NFL. So here's, do they have any blackouts in that app? I think that they do for the local. I feel like I, I, feel like I subscribed during the playoffs and I, there was still some San Francisco games. I, I think that's how it works is that the blackouts are for the local, but usually you can get those on regular TV if you have an antenna, which you know we have the Mohu, mm-hmm. Mohu Leaf. But there was a big thing that happened last week, and that is a Verizon and the NFL have agreed they signed a five-year deal worth – over two, I think I've read it's two point. Yeah, this article here I'll put into the show notes says two point five billion. Jiminy, um, which is twice the annual price of Verizon's previous deal with NFL. But what it does is it, you don't have to be a Verizon customer for this, but that they're going to be streaming all of the games on phones of all carriers starting this postseason, and in twenty eighteen it will include tablets as well. And the way that they've made this work is they're going to have ad inventory within the games when they stream on mobile. So like the commercials will basically be 
Verizon's commercials, I'm guessing. That they sold. That they sold, yeah. Okay. And what's nice is you can now watch like any game that you want. I'm uh, thinking there's no blackouts to it at all. Um, but this is a big thing, and this is the first step in, I think, the, one of the last places where uh, where cable TV still had a value, and that is in sports. Right, like an almost, uh, up till now, irreplaceable value. Right. There was no yeah. other way to do it. And if, if the, the game that you wanted to watch wasn't on your local channel, you couldn't watch it. And that was probably frustrating. Uh, it was for me. But now they're all there. This is, again, this is the first step in that direction of really making cable companies obsolete, at least as far as the uh, television broadcasting is concerned. And I didn't know if you'd heard about this. I thought it was, no, you know, it, it was interesting because it, it, the fact that it took a company like Verizon to just throw tons and tons of money at the NFL to make them do this. Like, they really, that was it. Like, they're just here. Here's all of the money. Now let us stream the NFL to everyone, to the whole world. I'm fascinated by this deal because this is not what I thought was going to happen. I thought the NFL might come out and have like an MLB type subscription. I think, and if when I subscribed to the MLB, I think, wasn't it like $300 or something? It was not cheap. Whatever it was, yeah, it was not yeah, yeah. cheap. So... Uh, but this is going to be free for for all of us, so I think that's pretty interesting. I, I so wait, it's free. Yeah. The, no, but I mean, like, not to watch the games is free. The app is free. The deal but, allows Verizon to stream live in-market NFL games on any one of its websites, with Yahoo being the predominant home. How would that deal? get by to monetize the deal verizon will have ad inventory within the games that it streams on mobile which includes in-market games on thursday sunday afternoon sunday night and monday night but that doesn't step on anybody else's um broadcast deal uh direct tv has rights for all out of market games on sunday um but well, it says that seems crazy they must be spending all what are they spending for 2.5 billion over five years but I originally found this on our uh, our friend uh, Jim Dalrymple's uh, The Loop, and uh, what Dave Mark, who wrote this on there, says, um, even if you have no interest in the NFL, this is an important move. Verizon has managed to throw enough money at the NFL to make the games you normally watch in your cable package available in your browser, and that's no small thing. Shh. Hope to shout. My God. And they're all, he That's also, super interesting. he also points out that it's a big, he says a test case for net neutrality. Will other cable companies throttle Verizon NFL packets to throw a monkey wrench into Verizon's plans? Right. So I think that's, I had not heard about that. I, I'm not personally interested in sports, but I'm, I, I know it's important to a lot of people, but sports and their availability has a huge impact on how the TV industry runs historically. Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of guys that I know who are into sports, the reason that they have cable TV is so that they can get uh, ESPN and the few other channels that, you know, that carry the games that they want to watch. And that, if that goes away, if, if, if this is successful for Verizon, I mean, this is the end of, uh, the beginning of the end of cable companies. If, if we haven't already seen the beginning of the end, I mean, will that, if, uh, especially like who's had the rights previously? Was it like ESPN or, I mean, ESPN was who had, uh, a, a, a number of the games. They would have like the Thursday night games, uh, 
but like local channels were was the place to go for for most of those. And of course, there's NFL Network itself, which is just weird. So I don't know. I don't know what this means. Can't imagine for the Comcast is going to like that very much. No, I don't think any of them would like it very much. But now, if you've been holding out, you know, now is the time. The postseason of this year is is when it begins. So this is a big deal. But you know, Verizon. I, I don't really think of Verizon as a content company, but they really are trying to move into that space, and that's where all of these companies want to move into now. I mean, look at look at Netflix, which famously went from "We'll ship you out a DVD" to "You can stream all this stuff" to "We're basically a movie studio now." And these these movies and TV shows that I've been watching on Netflix, there this is where all my favorite stuff is for the most part, you know. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. they they did something with um, I think there's a movie called Mudbound, uh, which was a fantastic movie that I watched last week on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie, and just so that it can be eligible to win. An Oscar, they will release the movie as a limited engagement, whatever the minimum number of theaters it has to open in. They release it in theaters, right? Just so that it can be qualified to uh, to potentially win an Oscar. And they don't care if anyone comes out to see it. They don't care if the theaters right. sit empty. Te- it's like a technicality. Yeah, yeah. but they oh well, we release it to theaters, so now it's eligible to win. Uh, but that's the future. The future is is that you know you listen to what David Fincher said about. Um, Mindhunter, where he was talking about how it's, he's basically saying, why would you even, I mean, he's still going to do movies, but he's like, why would you do movies anymore when you can, when you have this amazing playground for creative content, for studios that get out of your way, that let you do whatever you want, that give you, you know, if you're, you know, 10 hours, 13 hours or more to create an entire world for you to play in as a creator, like that's unheard of. It's not, Oh, well this needs to come out in July because it needs to be a summer blockbuster and it needs to no, like that's gone now. Right. And Netflix announced that I think our, our, our prices for streaming went up to ten ninety nine. and was it $10 before or something. So it's going up for a dollar. When I read that announcement, I actually thought, you know what? I still don't feel like I'm paying enough for that. It's too low. It's I'm too low. I'm paying $58 a month for Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, somehow, I got up to fifty. I was talking to uh, my friend Jake about this the other night. I don't know. So we both are like, "How did my how did my Hulu bill get to sixty dollars? What did <laughs> so they do? Well, we got a special VCR add on service." I'm like, "Well, that's what cable costs. How right. did I end up there?" Yeah. Uh, I have been um, bumping up against as you know as things get bigger and we do more things. It's perhaps not surprising that I can go to Comcast and see my bandwidth. Usage has gone up over time. I learned this from uh, Canary in the Coal Mine, Jason Snell, that once you go over your limit on Comcast, you get a nasty gram. Mm. Then you get a second nasty gram. After a third nasty gram, you, they're like telling you you got to upgrade. They're going to charge you a lot more after that because you're just doing overages. But I, you know, I've noticed that around the end of the month, I'll be uh, looking at something on my iPad. I'll just be looking at a web page, and you're on. You're on the other one. Right, you're on uh, Time Warner Cable, Time Warner. aka yeah. Spectrum, or whatever they are today. I'll be looking at something on my iPad, and I'll page will load, and bloop, I'll get this pop up on the page that says, "Okay, you're at whatever ninety percent of your monthly usage." You know, if you go over this, da da da, you're going to be charged. And I always thought, "Ha, huh, that's kind of weird." Like, I wonder, wonder. I understand why I got that, but I wonder how I got that. And now, have you have you seen <laughs> the Comcast? is inserting 400 lines of JavaScript code into every page that it can that you load. Really? 
People are getting this. I have not. Well, how are they? You mean like if you're on, if you're using Comcast as your upstream provider, they're doing this? Yes. And somebody noticed this because he kept getting, uh, he kept getting pop up ads to upgrade his modem from Comcast. And it's because he did a little sleuthing. And I, I, I mean, I have not done my own due diligence on that, but what a fascinating idea that if it's not, I guess if it's not an HTTPS page, it's able to inject this JavaScript into every unsecured page that you Unbelievable. Have. That's terrible. <laughs> Isn't that awful? And now you're paying for that also, ironically enough. Unbelievable. But um, I assume. But isn't that odd? Because, I mean, I, I, I guess, why do I mention Comcast? I, I have to imagine they are not going to be happy about that Verizon deal. Where there are a lot of people, like most people are not like me or not like Jason Snell. Most people are not using whatever I've got, the terabyte a month, something like that. But I've got, it's a, I don't know if it's a terabyte, but it's a lot. It's a big plan. And I never used to come even close to it, but I can go back and look historically and just see it go blip, 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 up and up and up and up and mm-hmm. up. And uh, this, all of this in the midst of the net neutrality stuff, whoo, stuff's going to get weird. This is all going to get so weird. There's going to be so many strange bedfellows. I know it. There's going to be the, the, so much tipping of the apple cart that we thought we understood in all of these relationships. It's going to get so weird. Well, I mean, I wonder if it'll ever sort of settle down, if there will ever be... Like the way things are now, everything is just all, it's all split up. You know, you want some content, you buy this service. You want other content, you get this service. You want other content, you get this service. And it's not really like for me, it hasn't become an either or kind of situation. Like, well, um, I'm not going to get a Showtime because I get HBO or I'm not going to get HBO because I right, get Hulu. Right. It's like, well, I'm, nah, I got to get this one too. When, when increasingly, like it, it doesn't have that on it. Like you can't get Godless on HBO because it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That's where it lives. Mm-hmm. But for me, like the one, if I had to pick one, it's Netflix by by uh, a great degree. They're just for me, yeah, m- much more ahead with maybe Hulu as a very close second. I you have a lot of stuff I, on Hulu you watch though. We do watch a lot of Hulu, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I would have to say far and away Netflix would be out front. I could. We're at that point in the year where I could cancel HBO and not miss it, and I think I probably should at this point and just re-up when there's shows that we watch. But we just we just are not even watching HBO right now. Um, it's just that time of year when there's nothing on there that you know attracts us, and there's plenty of other stuff. Like, um, yeah, I would say Net- Netflix is definitely the best bargain. I feel like, however weirdly that's leveraged and paid for like it's it's an unimpeachably great deal not only just in terms of raw tonnage mm-hmm. but in like how much good stuff is in there hulu's good hulu is still really weird hulu is very strange and their quote-unquote dvr service is very odd where i'll go to the my stuff section where i can see all the shows that i watch regularly and are quote-unquote dvring and like if you go to look at something on this page, it says this will be available tomorrow at thus and such time. But if I go to and look at it this page and I come in through this angle, I can watch it right now from the beginning and skip over the ads and everything. It's very strange. Like the relationships – and you, you run into this when your kid watches The Simpsons on Hulu and suddenly it has all these terrible – not all these but three terrible ads that are identical in every episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then other shows, you just don't get ads. We don't get ads on Seinfeld. I don't know why we thought we paid to not see any ads ever, ever, but I guess who knows how that's getting calculated. 
I would say that's – but you know, you're getting at something else though, which is like you do have to be a kind of a smart consumer if you want to avoid spending $200 a month. Nobody wants to spend $200 a month. But you know, that stuff adds up really fast, all these different little – these little islands. And then on top of it all, I mean doing that all via the Apple TV or via the inbuilt apps on my um, TV unit – it's real frustrating. Like I really wanted to go get this old Doctor Who episode. Um, Doctor Who, I, this is an unfair example because there's no other show that is as effed up <laughs> in iTunes in particular as Doctor <laughs> Who. Why? What's wrong so with like, it? So like, well, you go well, – first of all, there's the basic problem. You know, you can get around this with nomenclature as the scene naming community has no for all, known for a long time. You have Doctor Who. And then Doctor Who, Peran 2005, right? You've got Doctor Who, which is classic Who, and you got New Who. That's easy enough to get around. You know, if I know if I want a Tom Baker episode, I'm going to go look for one of these old Doctor Whos. But you say to your dingus, you know, what am I going to look for? Like uh, City of Death or whatever. And then, like, it's just, it's to, <laughs> you might, I know you're not a Doctor Who fan, but just for fun, you might, next time you're on your Apple TV, go to the iTunes TV area and go look at either new or old Doctor Who. And it's been repackaged into all of these bizarre units where you could get like the best of the master or like classic fourth doctor episodes. There's not one place to go to say, show me every episode from season 17 of the of, of original doctor who, like mm. uh, that was a kind of a classic season. There's two different, really good arcs. I want from that season, but you got to go through that because they've been repackaged by doctor, by villain, by maybe by companion. Like, I'm not even sure it's so bananas, but there's really not, uh, that comprehensive of a place to go to find like where do I just go buy Pete and Pete and thank you to everybody who emailed us about that honestly the best advice I got on Pete and Pete was to uh, either get used DVDs or to subscribe to Netflix DVDs because I can get them from there mm-hmm. but that was nice of people to say that right. and somebody also we should cite this person who was nice enough to tell us about Something that works better than can I stream it, which I will look up. Dan, tell me about one more thing that you like. Oh, I just – something just watch me or something? Just – I'll find it. Something like that. Dan, Dan, <laughs> Dan tell me about something that you like. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you about HelloFresh. 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 Hello. It's a meal uh, kit delivery service. They shop, hello. they plan, and they deliver your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. And here's the thing. It's convenient. What do I mean by that? I mean, you get to pick your delivery day when it works best for your schedule so that you're going to get the food when you want it. Oh, Wednesday is your busy day. You don't want a Wednesday? No problem. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll give it to you when you want it, which when is the way it should be. Dummy, just go get it. Every, get it. All the ingredients come in these pre-measured, handy, labeled meal kits. So you're going to see right away, oh, these ingredients go with this recipe. These go with this other recipe. It's very simple. And it comes right to your door, and it's a recyclable, insulated package. You don't have to worry about it going bad. If you're not there instantly to get it, they can leave it at your door. It's still going to be fine. They've got tons of chef-curated recipes that change every week. So they've got three different plans to choose from. they got classic they got veggie, and they got family. So classic, you're going to get a variety of meat, fish, seasonal produce. Veggie, that's vegetarian recipes, plant-based proteins, grains, seasonal produce. And family, this is quick and easy meals with stuff that your whole family will like. In other words, it's a, it's a way of saying your kids will actually eat the food. 
that you make at home mm-hmm. now, which is nice. And you're not going to spend all night in the kitchen because the recipes only take around 30 minutes. Lots of one pot recipes so that you can cook them fast and there's like not a ton of cleanup. You don't have to wash 50 things. And every week there's a 20 minute meal on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that because we all get home and sometimes we're like, you know what? 30 minutes, 35 minutes is not that long. I want 15 minutes. I want 20 minutes. They have that for you. And this is the thing. They do the shopping, the planning, and the delivery. So all you have to do is focus on like the holiday shopping and all the stuff that's going on with your household right now, with your family right now. They're going to do everything. And, uh, and they make it super easy to do this, especially during the holidays. It's, this is like the perfect time to, to get started. Uh, and we do this. I cook. I involve my kids. Then they eat it because they help cook it. Telling you, this is a great thing to do. Good, good, uh, good way to upgrade your whole situation at home. For thirty dollars off your first week of HelloFresh, you go to HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code Back to Work thirty with three zero. The way you can remember the three zeros because it's going to be thirty dollars off your first week. So that's it. Oh, that's that's smart. That's smart. That's my trick. What they call a mnemonic. So HelloFresh.com, back to work 30. Save 30 bucks off your first week. And we thank HelloFresh for their support of this program, Back to Work with Merlin Mann. HelloFresh. Buck, buck. Just Watch. Yes, that was the one that was recommended. Uh, and it's been recommended a couple times. The, the person who very nicely recommended it was like, hey, I found Pete and Pete and this other thing on there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, actually, no, in mine that I'm getting, there is no Pete and Pete. And there was the other thing. It was just something that had the same title as what I was looking for. But yeah, this does look pretty good. And you can log in and I guess you can tell it what services you like and use. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out. Now, did, you, did you see that thing? We were just talking about Netflix. Did you see that thing yes. that Netflix did where they apparently over the weekend, they tweeted uh, a tweet that said, oh, let me find it here, to the fifth. This is Netflix's official you know, at, oh, this is at so Netflix creepy. on Twitter. I don't, oh, yeah, share this. This is awful. Okay. Yeah. They say to the 53 people who've watched A Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days, who hurt you? And so this was um, retweeted 108,000 times. Yes. Uh, liked or hearted or whatever I'm supposed to say, 424,000 times. But it sparked some. Controversy, I guess you would say, because people seem to get very upset. They, they felt that in some way their privacy had been invaded uh, because, I guess, Netflix revealed that they have access to what people watch. Now, I, I, have, some, I, I have some opinions about this, uh, but I'm curious what you have to say about it before I go into it. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, first of all, I don't think it should surprise anyone that Netflix is able to tell how many people have watched a thing. Exactly. Like uh, that's I, that's what Netflix does. They know what people are watching. Well, okay. So here's my my, my quick gloss on this: is it would be one thing. Like, are people? Su- thing- I mean, Merlin, are people surprised that Netflix knows that fifty three people? Watch. Well, okay. There's that's why I say there's a no. Okay, there's a couple things, and I'll make this quick, and I want to hear what you think. But here, here, here's a quick way to look at this from my, my POV. It would be one thing if Netflix were a company that regularly, maybe even through an API, released information about how popular their shows are. And it turns out, Netflix is actually 
I think fairly notoriously close to the chest about like exactly how many people watch their shows. And so, okay, set that aside for a minute. It would be still another thing if they said, um, like my daughter watched that and loved it. Yeah. She loved that show. It'd be one thing to say like, wow, people are really loving if they tweeted out, people are really loving this program that we made. We're so happy. There are some people who watch it every day. Okay. That's one thing. It would be still another thing to say, oh, believe it or not, some people like this so much. There's one person, there's 53 people who've watched this every day. How cool is that? But it's not that. They're shaming people. Right. It would be like Victoria's Secret, like slut shaming you for buying too many underpants. It's like, that's your whole effing business is getting people to watch stuff. Like that's gross to do it in the way that you did. All the worst parts of what went into that tweet make it uglier than it needed to be. It's funny. It's a funny remark. It would have been a funnier remark if somebody heard in a neutral way that Netflix announced that. It'd be funny if some snarky person said, "What have they done to you?" But like for the company to do it, it's just not a good look. What is? I mean, what I'm not, is a, I'm not Chris- super mad about it, but I think it's just kind of mean, unnecessarily mean spirited. A Christmas Prince is a some kind of Netflix movie. It was a little bit of a meme. So basically you think about the stuff Netflix makes, like think about recent things that you've loved on Netflix, things like Mindhunter. Well, they make or not make, they, you know, buy and release lots of stuff. And one of the things that they made is like, there's this apparently dirty little secret that lots of people like heartwarming Hallmark style comfort viewing Mm -hmm. uh, that are like basically, um, romance dramas or romance comedies around the holidays and there's this whole hallmark industry of pumping these things out and there's a funny thing where they show you like all these posters look essentially the same one person's got a red sweater one person's got a green sweater but it's not that much of a secret that people like heartwarming holiday fair the funny part was that netflix put this thing out and who's in it uh the the um the mother from the oa plays the queen <laughs> um Oh, who's the lead actress? Rose McIver. Else. Yeah, but who, what what else was she in? I'm spacing. Oh, she's um she's a brain eater, the all red comic that got made into the zombie show, uh, I Zombie. She's oh, I Zombie. That's her. Okay, she looks really different. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I read about it because you're like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this Netflix show that people can't believe is real, and I was like, oh, I probably can believe it, but what? And so we ended up watching it. My daughter loved it. She thought it was so sweet. So yeah, that I learned about it because people were saying, you're not going to believe this thing that's on Netflix. It's like a Hallmark show and it's really kind of a weird story and it's odd and it's, it feels like you're not sure if it's a joke. It's oh. like making fun of like holiday movies. But um, yeah. A- so, after Amber follows Richard on horseback through the woods, her horse throws her off and she is nearly attacked by a wolf only to be saved by Richard. Richard. Mm-hmm. So that's just my, my, my quick POV is like, <clears throat> there's nothing in isolation in that tweet that I think is that shocking. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a good look. It's not classy to make fun of your viewers for being like emotionally vulnerable shut-ins or something. Right. I don't know. That's the kind of joke that I've made a lot over the years that I've tried to walk away from a little bit because it's that's unnecessarily mean. Whether it's true or not, it's not a nice thing to say, especially for the company that's making billions of dollars a year because you can watch anything you want anytime. You know, maybe – okay, I'm – I can see why Netflix did this and I can see Mm -hmm. that, you know, perhaps they were even poking fun at themselves almost as if to say, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a defense for them. That's what I'm doing, but it's almost Mm -hmm. as if they were trying to say, we get that this maybe wasn't the best movie of all time and we're 
kind of maybe we shouldn't have had it on here but we did and like 53 of you in the world actually watched it i it could be interpreted as maybe a failed attempt at self-deprecating humor mm-hmm. do you think or no am i giving them too much credit well the other thing is context i to be honest i don't know what netflix account that came off of at, and I at netflix okay um, let's go look at what their general demeanor is like. But uh, while you do that, um, yeah. what I can s- tell me what you think. Well, the I I think you've brought up a really good point, and that it is it isn't like the nicest thing to say or the nicest way to say it. I get that, but that's not from what I could see from reading the replies to the tweet. And I did put the the tweet into the show notes so that people can read the uh, the the responses to it. It's not that people are, at least that I saw, responding to the fact that Netflix was being a little snarky about it. It seems more like they were responding to the fact that Netflix knows things about us now. And oh, and, oh I see. You're you're coming out from a different angle. Yeah, okay. and okay. so the the angle that I saw people are, like, are you really that surprised that Netflix? Yeah, has that information? exactly. Like who who on earth is surprised that Netflix? knows what people are watching. Of course they know what people are watching. That's how they decide what kind of content to make and release and buy. And, you know, the reason that we have all these new Netflix documentaries about true crime uh, is because how well their true crime stuff did. Like the, uh, what was the one that we talked about? I already forgot the name of it. Uh, the Mindhunter. No, uh, the the one about the, the murder, the real life documentary one. Um, oh, with, Making a Murder? Yes, like, of course, they saw how well that did, and they know because they know what people are watching, and they see what people they know, are watching. They know how long it was between starting the first episode and finishing the second episode, and they, they, they have metrics out well, the ass. Well, guess place. what? Every single YouTube creator knows exactly the same thing about the people who came and watched they've their YouTube video. Of, they've got a graph of when you stopped watching their video. Yeah, like, why would anybody be shocked that Netflix knows exactly how many people watched it? And- you really think that's the source of shock, Dan? Do you really think? You don't think it's the attitude? I th- you think people were shocked that it was a privacy, an invasive thing? Well, I mean, I, listening to what you said, I think that probably must be both. But initially, I had I had thought it was mainly the reaction of people to the fact that Netflix knew. Uh, but And then the shaming part, I think, was secondary. Um, but if the shaming part is first, then I can understand why people are upset about it, because it wasn't the nicest thing. Because here you have a company that seems to be passing judgment on your watching behaviors when they yes, should shut up I, and can give you the content that you're paying for? Well, this is not – I do not say this to say anybody shouldn't feel the way that they feel, but I don't look at the Netflix Twitter account, but I am now, and they have a voice, and they have a tone. right? And they are very uh, jokey and snarky and self-aware. Um, so it's things like, While You Were Sleeping is a sweet holiday-themed romantic comedy about a woman who's mistaken for the fiancé of a man stuck in a coma. So it also doubles as a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> you get um, lots of bits like this. There's lots – but maybe most importantly, again, not to excuse, is it was preceded by lots of jokes about A Christmas Prince. There's already been lots of jokes that they made about Right. It. But if, if like, like, like you and I, we don't follow Netflix and know that. Yeah. Then it might seem especially weird. Out of context. Yeah. And, you know, it's if, if everybody took the most extreme thing you said and then they took it out of context and they didn't know. There's all kinds of things that, like, are running bits on this and every other podcast I do that if I said it in obscurity, mm-hmm. the handful of people who saw that at response would 
uh, some of them would get it and know immediately what the joke was about. Yeah. And other people would think you're being terrible. If somebody said, "Oh, do you think do you think you'd ever do a thing about this thing?" and I might I might say to them, "Oh, it's your show." So if I, if somebody didn't know what that joke was, why why are you what do you mean it's your show? What a dumb thing to say to somebody. That's really mean. Like you know what I mean? Or or any other thing like that. You, if you take it out of context, and it's sometimes the best joke is very cutting unless you understand the context, especially if it comes from a place of self deprecation as the basis for the bit. I'm sorry. Now I'm trying to explain jokes to people. I'm Merlin mansplaining. But like, if you don't, if you don't know that the basis for a bit is in a kind of uh, self-deprecation in your own voice, it can come across really out of tone. And in this case, if they were just on some kind of a Twitter rant about this one movie that everybody liked, I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying that kind of explains. It I, a yeah, bit. I hear you. I hear you. I didn't get the thing about privacy at all. But I, I, I guess I could imagine. See, like, and for example, their Twitter header is the banner for Stranger Things but up Stranger Things 2 but upside, upside down. down. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Kind of. It's not hilarious funny. It's not hilarious now. But, you know, oh, Twitter's the worst. But I think it was the I think it was the backlash was about the private viewing habits of people and that's the part that I, if people were upset about the snark of, of course mm-hmm. I would understand that. They're entitled but like no one should be surprised. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not trying to be um, obdurate, but like, I, I don't think that's what it was. I think people didn't like the tone. I don't know. Let's go learn about this. Netflix. What's it called? The Happy Prince. What's it called? Christmas Prince. A Christmas Prince. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh no. I mean, I I'm pre- Whenever I go into something like this, my assumption is that not only does Netflix know exactly what its customers are watching. I think it knows what I specifically am watching. In other words, it's not anonymized in any oh, yeah, way. You're, I see what you're saying. That's definitely what some people are saying here. And I think, I think that right now Netflix knows what me and my family are watching and they know that it's me and my family watching it. Not just a, a person in Austin on, you know, is watching this, but like specifically me. And I don't care. Okay. I don't care about I got an, that. I got an example for you. Um, what if I said to you, I know you probably don't have like home cameras, but what if I said to you, I'm watching you on your home camera and you go to the bathroom two times more a week than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't actually know that. I'm not actually looking at your camera. Thank God. But what a creepy thing to say. Like, why would you say that to somebody? Yes, that would be pretty creepy. So do you think Netflix actually, somebody at Netflix actually did know that somebody watched it? Or do you think they made that up as a joke? See, that's a good question. Because it might be a joke. It might just be a complete joke. Yeah. But like, let me put it this way. Uh, Netflix is not a tiny company. I guess I'd be a little bit surprised. Where did the person who's the social media person on duty that day learn that fact? Yeah. Because I bet they're not getting a regular readout unless they've got one of those panic style big boards. You know, I don't know. I think it's a joke. That's interesting though. You seem to, I, I have to capitulate. You seem to be right. A lot of people are mad. I like your reason to be mad. If they were mad because of your reason, I feel like that's valid. Yeah, well, we don't even really need a reason to be mad, you know? (laughs) Right, it's 2017. 
It is. You got to read this book, Dan. It's really. I'm going to read it. I'm going to start reading it right now while you talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to tell me about? You have one more thing that you like. I would like to tell you about Squarespace. Squarespace! Turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services. You can pretty much do anything that you want with Squarespace. You don't have to know any HTML. You don't have to know any CSS. They got it all squared away. They got your built-in search engine optimization. They got analytics that shows you how your website is doing you can buy a domain. You know, they've got two over 200 domain name extensions. You don't even, you mm. want, you have a website. You don't want Squarespace. You already got a Squarespace. You want a good domain? Mm. They yep. sell you domains. Sell you domains. We got your domains right here. Mm-hmm. Beautiful templates <laughs> created by world class designers. <laughs> You're just going to have to run with that. Yeah. That's, we got your domains right here. That's their thing. They can have that. Uh, 24 7 award winning customer support. It's, it's amazing. Like, it has it all. Why would you start from scratch and design your own thing? That's yeah. madness. It's pure That's madness. madness. No, don't do it. The future is coming. Uh-huh. And it is Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com. You'll get a free trial. When you're finally ready to launch this amazing thing that you, you're ready to do, change your life, use the code back to work, and you will save 10% on your first purchase. This could be on a website. It could also be on just a domain. Or you could get both. Back to work is a code to use. Squarespace.com is a place to go. We appreciate their website, Squarespace. We got your domains. It's not in the read, but they can have that. Yeah, you got to keep it fresh. Okay, I got two. uh, We're running a little low on time, but we got two interesting listener feedback things. One is from a listener who has a question about facing a career where they have to use a PC. Another listener has a question about what kind of stuff to keep and what kind of stuff to get rid of. What do you not want to be too sentimental about but just right? Kind of like the PC one. PC one's a little easier. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking the PC one. We could do, we could do the what to keep stuff. Mm, I'm feeling indecisive. I'm going to throw it back to you. Listener, I, listener, you name, listener name withheld. Send a very interesting email. Um, Saying, uh, I'm on my fourth round of interviews. See, I already feel like they gave too much information here. So this person's getting interviews. Suffice it to say that if they get this, it's a big deal. Just trust me on this, right? This is a big deal job. Uh, Huge for me. Station in life would transform. Big salary bump. Move you to freaking New York City. Uh, My my, my editorializing there, freaking. And and my resume resume would shine forevermore. The problem, this company uses only PCs. New paragraph. I'm deep into the Apple ecosystem personally and working on a PC for eight hours a day bums me out. I know this because experience. On one hand, this sounds petty. It's just a computing platform. On the other hand, uh, I know myself and I know that if I'm working on a machine I like, I am much more inclined to do good work and maybe even enjoy my work. Very interesting question from listener name withheld. Dan, what do you say to our listener who's considering whether to take a very lucrative job in New York City given that they would have to use a PC? Uh, you know, I, at first you would say, that's crazy. Why would you, um, why would you not take a job just because of, you know, the hardware or operating system that they use? But that really, that's how you spend, uh, okay, you, um, one more fact I'm going to toss in. This right. person is in the banking industry. Yeah. This th- person is in the banking industry. I think the banking <laughs> industry is a PC industry. I think it's a PC industry, buddy. 
I mean, that like, <laughs> if you said that you got a really good job working at a creative on a to basically to be a creative lead on some team, you know, uh, somewhere like you know somewhere like Austin, you're like, oh God, I would take it, except I have to use Max. Right? He'd be like, mm, I'm not sure why you got into a creative field if you just are super allergic to using Max. I'm probably cutting to the cutting to the quick a little too fast here. But I don't – I mean if you're in banking, like how have you not already been forced to use Macs? They use, they use old Macs. They use old Macs with terrible software in banking or they use like bespoke like CMS systems with secret operating systems on it. But like I don't know. My answer to this is like that's a no-brainer. Take the job. I think so too. Totally agree. I think you're going to have to we deal should- with it. We should probably argue about it more. But see, okay, now I, I would feel differently about this if, if there were other things to it. Okay, and I don't want to beat the art part to death, but if you're somebody who's an illustrator and you're really used to, for example, using a certain – like a Wacom tablet or like let's say if you're a developer and you're used to a certain development stack, like I can understand like not only you not wanting to adopt a new development stack or coding standards or whatever, I can understand you not – wanting that but i can also understand them never wanting to hire you so i'm guessing if you have a job in banking and they don't didn't even ask you how you feel about using a pc that it may not have a huge amount to do with your jobs i probably should have read further down to what's maybe this person's doing you know creative things but i say take the job what's the worst thing that happens yeah really i mean you get to move to new york city and there's money and stuff yeah but with all of that said, oh, God, I've had this thought. I'm so, I'm so used to have this thought. Like, oh, God, even like a temp gig. Oh, my God, it's a temp job and I have to use Windows. Are you kidding me? I could totally understand that. One reason I was so excited for my first big boy job when I moved to Tallahassee was that I was going to be on this SE30. It was like it was like I was so excited to have an SE30 and a giant black and white screen. It was like a thrill to me in my own private office. So, I mean, to, honestly, in addition to the money and the, like, a job where I wear a tie and stuff, like, the fact that I was doing it on a Macintosh in yeah. 1991 felt practically like a conspiracy. Like, how am I going to get away with this awesomeness? So, I, I mean, I'm, I am sympathetic. I'm not unsympathetic, but there are, there ever, are a lot I've, of I've people. never seen a Mac in a bank. I've never seen a Mac yeah, in a I've bank. I've never seen one either unless someone brought it in, <laughs> you know, hang, holding it in their bag while they're doing a deposit. What's I mean? But the I, contingency. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think I think you're right. I think he needs to just say, okay, I'm gonna use the computer that they give me because this is the job, and it's not. I can also tell you from personal experience, Windows 10, if that's what they're using, it's it's all right. You know, I mean, it's banking, so they might be on XP. I don't know. I but had, when, Bank of America when I was still with Bank of America, God help me, they were <laughs> um, still on XP. How long ago is that? I don't know, like three years ago, four years ago. Something but I remember my, my teller that I would go to there, she would turn the – when she was doing stuff – well, first of all, like if I got like a cashier's check, it was like DOS. It was like this blue screen and it was super weird. I think they use – maybe – I don't know. Maybe – I don't know what level this guy is going to be working at if he's going to be like a big shot or something. I but feel like, like he's a big shot. Yeah, or a medium shot. Yeah, he's a medium shot. Yeah. And I, I think f- it's worth doing a uh, uh, listener last name with – or listener full name withheld. I say go for it. The worst you can be is, you know, disappointed. But you'll you'll deal. So take the job. Go take the job, you yeah, big take dummy. Take the job. Take the job. I'm exhausted. 
I'm having trouble getting the seltzer that I like. What happened to it? I just, it's, it's not in stores very often anymore. I've been trying to drink that La, LaCroix crap. Yeah, that's great. LaCroix's great. Ugh, it's got no taste. There's nothing to it. Which kind have you been getting? Canada Dry! No, I'm Canada saying LaCroix. What, what, which ones have you tasted? You say I've... Plain. That's all Grace, could you hand me a LaCroix, Grace, please? Grace, Grace, could I also get the German bearer bonds? I'll have a coconut-flavored LaCroix, please. Send it over to Nakatomi Plaza. There. I have a LaCroix. Um, let, me open, let me open this. Let's, let's see what I'm you mean. I'm on my third to the last. Well, now... I'm about to be on my second to the last. This LaCroix stuff's mm. garbage. Oh, such a good taste. I don't know what my you're talking about. My lady likes the pomplamousse. She gets the grapefruit LaCroix. She likes that a lot. H-E-B just came out with a coconut... Uh, Is that a Jewish ...seltzer thing? water. H-E-B? No, it's a... Hmm. <laughs> hmm. No, <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, it's a large chain of grocery stores here in Texas. Uh-huh. It is the Publix of Texas. Hmm. One of my lawyers is a Jew. Um, can you believe he said that? Can you believe that lady said that? <laughs> You're not a lady. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, let's cut that out. Hey, hey, uh, Dan. <laughs> uh, listen, this is we've learned a lot. We've yeah. learned a lot about love and about each other and PCs. But it's about the time we got to button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.